0: The year was 1996. It was the height of the Cola Wars in advertising when Pepsi released a commercial that said, drink Pepsi, get stuff. And the point of this commercial was to advertise the Pepsi points that you could earn by buying Pepsi products, and then the different items that you could purchase with their pepsi points so some of these items that you could get with pepsi points included uh, sunglasses a t-shirt a leather jacket all of these could be purchased for uh, a few hundred points each but at the end of the commercial kind of as a joke they put a harrier jet a military a military jet in the commercial and it said you could get this harrier jet for seven million pepsi points Now, most of the people like you, when they saw that commercial, they just laughed at the end of the commercial. But there was one college student that saw the commercial and saw that there was no disclaimer at the bottom of the screen saying that this was a joke, and so he took the offer to heart. And after looking at the Pepsi catalog, he discovered that he could purchase Pepsi points for only 10 cents each. And so in his mind, he could purchase a Harrier jet, which is worth $32 million at that time, for only $700,000 from Pepsi. And so he secured an investor, and he sent a $700,000 check to Pepsi, and he requested the Harrier jet to be delivered to him. Now, this was completely unplanned and unexpected for Pepsi. And so when they received this $700,000 check with this request, it had the executives and the legal team scrambling. (laughs) So we're at the start of the Advent season. And as I've said in the past, that word Advent, it simply means the coming. And so during this time each year, this is a time for us to prepare our hearts for the celebration of the coming of Christ into this world all those years ago when he was born in that manger. But as we prepare our hearts this season, I want us to to remember this. Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. Let me say that again. Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. There has never been a point in eternity that had God scrambling There has never been a point in eternity where God was caught off guard by the unplanned or the unexpected. Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. So this morning, we're going to launch into this new series titled Planned, Promised, and Provided. And what we're going to see over the course of the series, we're going to look back at the Old Testament, and we're going to see... God reveal His plan to send Jesus Christ, to send the Messiah into this world. Then we're also going to see some of the prophecies. We're going to see the promises that God made to send the Messiah into this world. And then we're going to wrap this series up at Christmas, and we're going to see God's provision of the Messiah, or Christ actually coming into this world. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 8 through 20 today. Genesis chapter 3, 8 through 20. And as you're turning there, I'm going to set this up for you, and I'm going to admit that this is going to be somewhat of a long setup before we, we read, read our passage so the encounter that we're going we're, we're gonna to look at, this is the encounter that, that God has with Adam, Eve, and the serpent following their disobedience to God, following Adam and Eve's disobedience and the fall of mankind. Now for many of you, this may seem like a very familiar passage. Maybe you've read it a thousand times. Maybe you feel like you've heard it preached a thousand times. But there may be some in here today that this is fairly new for you. Maybe you've heard it just a few times, or, or maybe, maybe you're encountering God's word and the gospel for the first time, and so, so maybe you've not really heard this story before. And so let me encourage you to do this. Ask God to reveal truth to those who have never read or heard it. Ask God to reveal truth to those who have never read or heard it. And if that's you, if you've never read or heard this, then ask that God would reveal truth to you this morning. Our daughter Emily, she's getting to the age that she's able to start watching some of the movies that we've watched for years, but now she's getting old enough to watch some of these movies. So this last week, we actually watched uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding with her, if you've ever seen that movie. This is a movie that Sarah and I, we've watched this a thousand times. We quote this movie often in our family. And so it was fun to sit down with Emily and watch this movie, and, and as she's watching this, she would say, so that's why you say that. That's where you get this quote from. So you may be here today, and, and maybe you've heard bits and pieces of this story. Maybe you've heard bits and pieces of, of, of the gospel. Maybe you've heard that Jesus has come into this world to be the savior of this world, but, but you've never fully understood why. Why? And so my prayer for you is that as we look at this passage today is that that God would reveal truth to those who have never read or heard it. But I would also encourage you, if you're here and you would say, you know what, I'm one of those, I feel like I've heard this a thousand times, I feel like I've, I've read this a thousand times, ask God to reveal something new to you that you've never seen before. So... I was watching a TV show this last week on Netflix. This is a TV series that I have probably watched 10, 20, 30 times over. I've I've seen the entire series over and over again. But as I was watching this series the other day, I saw something in an episode that I had never seen before. Something caught my eye, caught my attention that I had never seen before. And so that's my prayer for you today. You may know this story of the fall of mankind. Maybe you've read this a thousand times. My prayer is that God would reveal something new to you that you've never seen before. So let me just give you a a, a quick summary of uh, what's leading up to our passage. In the first two books of Genesis, we see God create. He creates everything. He creates man and woman. He creates the world. He places them in this world, and he places them in a garden. And in this garden, he places every possible plant, tree, everything that could possibly satisfy their needs. But in this garden, God also places a tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he forbids them from eating from this tree, forbids them from eating the fruit of this tree. Now, some might ask, well, why would God even put that tree in the middle of the garden? And I believe that this is for two reasons. First, I believe that God put the the tree in the middle of the garden to give mankind a choice. God didn't force his love and and obedience upon Adam and Eve. Rather, he gave them a choice. He, He gave them every possible thing that could satisfy their needs, including himself, but he put this one tree there to give them a choice. Were they going to be satisfied by God and everything he had provided for them, or were they gonna try and satisfy themselves? And really, I believe that this is something that that we still wrestle with today as a result of the fall. Are we going to be satisfied by God himself and everything he has provided for us, or are we going to try and satisfy ourselves? And I believe that a lot of what we see in the world today is is people trying to satisfy themselves rather than by being fully satisfied by God. So God placed this tree in the middle of the garden. I believe it was first to give mankind a choice, but second, I believe it was to display his glory through his redemptive work. You see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God was not scrambling, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, when they ate of the fruit, this was not unexpected to God. Rather, when God created Adam and Eve and when he placed them in this garden, God knew full well that they were going to disobey him. God knew full well that they were going to eat of this fruit. And so God had every intention when he created mankind to send Jesus Christ into this world to be the redemption of For mankind. And so God put the tree in the middle of the garden to give mankind a choice, but also so that he could display his glory through his redemptive work. So let me pause right here and say this: every time a sinner experiences the redemptive work of Christ through the cross, God is glorified. Let me say that again. Every time a sinner experiences the redemptive work of Christ through the cross, God is glorified. Now, this is not the only way that God is glorified, but this is certainly one way that God has chosen to to be glorified, chosen to reveal his glory to mankind. And the exciting thing is, is that if you have given your life to Christ, if you have turned from your sins and allowed Jesus Christ to be your Lord, then you have experienced This redemptive work in your life, you've experienced the joy and the blessing of Christ's redemption in your life. Now, if you haven't yet given your life to Christ, then I want you to understand that his redemptive work is still available to you today. The work of the cross still extends to us today. We still get to experience this redemption. And my prayer is that if you've never experienced that, that you would experience That today through Jesus Christ. So God created Adam and Eve. He put them in a garden. He placed this tree in the garden that that he forbid them to eat from. And it was to give mankind a choice and to display his glory through his redemptive work. And so what we find out at the the beginning of chapter 3 is that Satan has inhabited a serpent. And in, in the serpent's form, he begins to tempt Eve with this fruit and Eve entertains this temptation until she gives in and she eats from this fruit and then she gives the fruit to Adam Adam eats of the fruit as well they chose to try and satisfy themselves they walked in disobedience and so as we pick up in in and so before we pick up in verse 8 I want to highlight what we see in verse 7 in verse 7 we read then the eyes of both of them were opened And they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, there are two things that we see in this verse that I believe are key. First, we see the immediate results of sin. We see the immediate results of sin. Their eyes were opened, they knew they were naked. Immediately after disobeying God, they felt shame and they felt exposed. This was something that they had never experienced before. But you know, this is really what sin does. Sin exposes what's in our heart and ultimately it leads to shame. Sin always exposes what's in our heart and ultimately it leads to shame. Whether you realize it or not, sin has an immediate result in your life. Now, we may not always see those external immediate results, but there's always something internal That happens inside of us, especially if you are a believer. If you've given your life to Christ and you choose to willfully and intentionally walk in disobedience to God, what happens is we immediately feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. We know that what we have done is wrong and we feel that division in our relationship between us and God. And so whether we we admit it or not, there is something that that happens immediately in our hearts when we sin. And so with Adam and Eve, we see the immediate results of sin. But second, we see mankind's desire to deal with our sin on our own. We see that, that their eyes were open, they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They had this desire to deal with their sin on their own. It was like they said, We know we're naked and we've got to do something about it. And, and you know, mankind really has not changed much over the centuries. We still try to deal with our sin on our own, we still are trying to cover ourselves up. We try it with religion, we try it with good works, good deeds. We think maybe if I am good enough, I can cover myself up. So if I stand before God on judgment day, that, that maybe I will have done something that is good enough to cover my sins. But the reality is, is that, that our own good works and our own coverings will never be good enough. We will never do enough to cover our sin we need something more. We need God to step in to provide something for us. And that's what we're going to see in our passage today. As God encounters Adam and Eve, and as he lays out the consequences of, uh, for their sin, we're also going to see hints of God's plan for mankind's redemption and for this covering that he's going to provide for us in Jesus Christ. So with that in mind now, let's read Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through. 20 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, "'The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate.' So the Lord God asked the woman, "'What is this you have done?' And the woman said, "'The serpent deceived me, and I ate.' So the Lord God said to the serpent, "'Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal.'" You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man... Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust." The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. The Lord God said, "'Since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever.'" So the Lord God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way of the tree of life. All right, so as we look at this passage, I want to begin by what we see there in verses 8 and 9. In verse 8, we see that God is walking in the garden, something that God had probably done many times before. But this time, as Adam and Eve hear God walking in the garden, they become afraid and they go and hide in the trees. And so in verse 9, God calls out to Adam and he says, where are you? Now I want you to understand, when God called out to Adam and asked Adam, where are you? It wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was. Remember, God is all-knowing. God knew exactly where Adam was. Even before God began to walk in the garden, God knew that Adam was going to hide in the trees. So why did God call out to Adam? Why did God ask Adam this question? Where are you? Well, I believe that God asked Adam this question because this was not a question that, that God needed answered. This wasn't so God could know where Adam was. I believe that God asked Adam this question because Adam needed to know where Adam was. Adam needed to realize that he was hiding from God because of his sin. Adam needed to realize where he was separated from God. Because of the sin that, that he and Eve had committed, they, they had this division in the, their relationship And so I believe that God asked Adam this question so Adam could come to terms with the effects of this disobedience that they had committed against God. You see, Adam, he wasn't simply in the trees. Adam was in his sin. And so as God calls out to Adam, where are you? Adam has to recognize, I'm in the trees, but, but I'm in the trees because... We realized we were naked because we realized that, that something was different. And, you know, really, this is the same question that, that we have to answer today. Where are you? Are you still in your sin, separated from God, or have you been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus Christ? Where are you So now as we walk through this passage, we're going to see God's redemptive plan through Christ revealed all the way back here in Genesis. And I believe that there are three things that we see that God reveals about his redemptive plan here in Genesis chapter three. First, I believe that we see that God's plan of redemption includes confession of sin. God's plan of redemption includes confession of sin. Let's look at verses 11 and 13 again. In verse 11, God says to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And in verse 13, God asks Eve, what is this you have done? God's plan of redemption includes confession of sin. As God asks these questions, this is an opportunity for them to confess their sin to God. God already knew the answer. God knew what they had done. But this was an opportunity for Adam and Eve to confess their sin to God. So when I was a child in elementary school, I went into our bathroom at home one night and I decided to give my hair a trim. And because I was not a professional hairstylist and I was a child, uh, I had the toughest time getting my hairline straight right up here in front. And so I kept cutting more and more and more until my hair was ridiculously short in front. And so when I walked out of the bathroom, my parents said, did you give yourself a haircut? Now, my parents already knew the answer to that question, right? It was painfully obvious what I had done, but this was an opportunity for me to confess what I had done to my parents. So even, even though God is all-knowing, or, or even if God weren't all-knowing, He is, but even if God weren't all-knowing, it was painfully obvious that Adam and Eve had sinned. They knew they were naked. They were hiding from God. It was painfully obvious that they had sinned, but God still gave them the opportunity to confess what they had done. What is this that you have done God's plan for redemption includes confession, and confession can be difficult sometimes. You know, anytime I have a young child come and tell me that they want to give their lives to Christ, one thing I will always start with is I will ask them, can you tell me something that you have done that is a sin? And inevitably, one of two things will happen. They will either tell me something that they've done that's wrong, something that they know that was a sin, or they'll begin to tell me something that their brother has done that's a sin, or their sister or their cousin, right? They'll tell me something that everybody else has done wrong, but not me. I'm still perfect, right? And so I ask, well, don't tell me what they've done. What have you done? Because it's important for us to recognize that we have sin in our life because unless we recognize the sin that's in our own life, we will never fully understand our need for a savior. We have to understand that Jesus came into this world not to save the the well, not to save the healthy. God came came into this world to save the sick, to bring healing to to the sick, to save sinners. And so we have to recognize that we have sin in our lives. So the question that I have for you right now is, Do you recognize that you have sinned? Do you recognize that you yourself have disobeyed God? You know, sin was not exclusive to this account with Adam and Eve, and then it ended. No, this was the beginning of sin. And every single person in this world has sinned since the days of Adam and Eve, including you and including me. This is why we're told in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because there's not a single person in this world following Adam and Eve that has not sinned with the exception of Jesus Christ, who was God in flesh. And so as we recognize that we have sinned, then we also recognize that there is hope in our Savior. And God gives us this opportunity, just like he gave Adam and Eve to ask, what have you done? God gives us an opportunity for confession. Confession is a part of the redemptive plan. 1 John 1, 9, God tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's plan of redemption includes confession of sin. Second, God's plan of redemption includes the defeat of evil. God's plan of, uh, of redemption includes the defeat of evil. Let's look at verse 15 again. This is what God says to the serpent. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike your heel, uh, his heel. Now, I would note that while God gives Adam and Eve the opportunity to confess what they have done, God doesn't offer the same opportunity to the serpent or to Satan. Because when it comes to Satan and the demons, they have already made their choice. They have already chosen to live in enmity with God. And so there is no plan of redemption for them. There is no hope for them. Really what we see in this encounter with with the serpent, with Satan, and with Adam and Eve really is is an overflow of the hatred that that Satan has for God and for God's plans. And so so there is no plan for redemption for Satan. There's only plan for defeat. God gives us a hint of this defeat in Christ through this curse that he places on the snake. First he says there's going to be hostility between snakes and mankind now i don't know about you but but this is true in my life i hate snakes in fact when i went to the fall festival at the church of christ they had a snake booth out there that jeremy their youth pastor was running and my wife sarah she said we should go over and say hi to jeremy just to be polite and i said absolutely not <laughs> because if i go over there to be polite he's going to try and convince me to hold a snake and I don't want to do it. So I did not go say hi to Jeremy. I said, I'll be polite another day. God says he's going to put hostility between mankind and snakes. And, he's, and snakes are going to bite our heels and we're going to smash their heads. Now, this is true in the small picture of things, right? We, we see that snakes bite us low on our bodies. And, and oftentimes we will smash their heads or even cut their heads off. But, but I believe that this was also a picture of, of what Christ would do on the cross and through his resurrection because Satan would believe that, that he, has, he has won, that he had the victory as he delivered this bite to Christ's heel through the crucifixion. But really, what happened is that Christ delivered a blow to the head of Satan because it is through the cross that we receive the redemption of mankind, and through the resurrection that we have the promise of a resurrected life. Satan would deliver a bite, but Christ would deliver a blow. And so I want you to understand, no matter how messed up you might believe that your life is, no matter how trapped you might feel in your sin, all of that is just a bite from Satan, but Christ has delivered the blow that you need to set you free. And so you are not bound to your sin when you come to Christ. You are set free and redeemed because of the blow that Christ has delivered. So God's plan of redemption includes the confession of sin and the defeat of evil. Finally, this morning, God's plan for redemption includes a covering that he provides. Let's look at verse 21 again. It says, The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. God's plan for redemption includes a covering that he provides. So we saw back in verse 7 that when Adam and Eve realized they were naked, that they they decided they're going to try and cover themselves, and, and they tried to do so with plants, with fig leaves. But when God covered them, he did so through a blood sacrifice. He killed an animal, and he made clothes out of this animal God provided a covering through a blood sacrifice. As I've already said, there's nothing that you and I can do that would ever be good enough to cover ourselves. But what God has done through Jesus Christ on the cross is, is good enough. It is enough. It is the exact covering that we need so that when we stand before God, we don't stand in our own sins hoping that our covering is good enough. We stand in Christ assured that we have been redeemed and fully covered by His blood. It is a covering that only God could provide and thankfully He provided it for us in Christ So let me pause right here and ask, are you still trying to cover yourself or have you been fully covered by Jesus Christ? Are you still trying to cover yourself in your own good works and religious acts or have you been fully covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Our coverings, they're never gonna be good enough, but the covering of Jesus Christ is exactly what we need. You see, God's plan from the very beginning was to send Christ into this world to be the redemption for this world. And so as we approach Christmas, we recognize that that as, as Jesus came into this world all those years ago, it was not unplanned and it was not unexpected. It was long awaited and it was celebrated because Christ would come as our Messiah. God was not scrambling. God was prepared Because he had a plan. And the plan of redemption is still offered to you today through Jesus Christ. And so the question that I have as we get ready to close is, where are you? Are you still in your sin? Or have you been set free by Jesus Christ because you have come to know him as your Lord? Where are you? And if today you would say, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never made him the Lord of your life, you are still in your sins, still separated from God, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you would say, that's me, I recognize I'm still separated from God. I've been trying to cover myself. But today I recognize that I need Jesus. I need the planned Savior for, this, for, for humanity. If you're ready to call upon the name of the Lord this morning, then as we sing this song, would you step out of your seat and join me down here? Let's talk. Let's pray. Today can be the day of your salvation. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. We don't believe that the baptism saves us. That would be a covering that would not work. But we do believe that baptism is something that God calls all of us to as a way to publicly confess that He is Lord before others. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of baptism, I would love for you to respond. I'd love to... to to make that commitment with you so that you can take that step in the coming days. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home. And I wanna join First Baptist Church Stockdale. Unite my life with this church body and the mission of this church body. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, would you respond to him obediently stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast at the end of every service I offer an invitation to respond and I'd like to invite you to respond today if you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond your response will come directly to me and I'll follow up with you this week